0: Welcome. What we stream,
1: my droogs, <laughs> this is Rush. <Raj. laughs> and this is Mike. So we're taking a break of our usual, you know, reviewing uh, very uh, lighthearted, modern things. And today we're, uh, we're going to be uh, what I like to call the entry-level film nerds for all you other entry-level film nerds out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about a movie that HBO Max has been shoving in my face and suggesting to me for months and that kind of worries me because it's like you know he, it, it made me wonder like, mm-hmm. like who do you think i am hbo max uh <laughs> clockwork orange <laughs> is yeah. the movie we're reviewing today <laughs> he's i,
0: I had the lexicon of uh, nadsat which is the uh you know clockwork orange speaker slang that they have in there yeah. so they have all the things like you know apologies apopologies yeah. i think the uh, yeah, you know, bad is baddie wad. So, but this movie that's isn't
1: what bad-y-wad. they were saying. Like, yeah, they called me jokes being baddie wad, but you know, yeah. it like that was the whole movie was like it was like Russell Brand, but like in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was, it was yeah, Russell. I think the the same volume as well. <laughs> Yeah, basically, like, "Like, like people.
0: we're here to talk about things today. Look at my teeth. No, but uh, yeah, sorry.
1: If you haven't seen this movie, and you want to know how people (laughs) sound, just watch like any Russell Brand political video when he tries to make a point. That's kind of like, uh, the top of the Capitol came down to the bottom of the basement. And it's like, what? (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I, I try to give his vi- I mean, I, I've watched some of his videos, but recently, uh, maybe it's just because I'm overwhelmed with, with work or whatever, or maybe just I'm overwhelmed by the Johnny Depp trial, but yeah. uh, like <laughs> whatever, like nowadays, I'm like, I hear him, it's like, we're going to talk about this, and I'm like, oh my god <laughs>
1: Okay just think that Let's, all it of let's people tone it down, let's it down, affect each other, and it's like yeah. basically, imagine that plus like Mad Max Fury Road, which it turns out this movie was the inspiration for Mad Max because I always wondered why in yeah. Mad Max, like even the old ones, it's like, why do they talk weird? Well, the way they talk in this movie is kind of what led to that. And yeah, the I think a big thing to point out with this movie is that like, I don't know for sure, but I think this is one of the movies that led to like Star Wars being a hit in the late 70s because uh i forget which documentary this was but they mentioned that the 70s was literally like all gritty realistic mm-hmm. or like hyper mm-hmm. like violent content or ultra violent as they say in yeah. this movie it's either that or a lot of sex like we're talking about the de- the decade that like a porn movie was basically like a blockbuster like basically yeah. made almost what would be a hundred million dollars in like today's dollars. Yeah. Like I'm I mean, talking about deep you, throat, you, but yeah. yeah.
0: And I mean you, you could just walk into a theater in New York, uh Times Square, just walk into a theater and they were playing porn. Yeah. It's just like, you know, that's that's uh yeah. I was trying to look for the word good in uh Nadzat and it's dobby for some reason. Dolby, maybe that's Dobby. Right because it's from dominant, the uh the russian word uh like a lot of the slang is based in like russian and sl- and you know slavic languages oh. uh so like drug means you know friend in russian and you know so like a lot of the words that they use is is uh, based on on that language yeah. uh in terms of like the slang but it's also yeah. kind of like and it keeps you know like uh Malcolm McDowell the main guy who plays Alex the head of the whatever the band the the gang yeah. uh they are called like you know he's always like hello my brothers you know and he it's like he, he's mixing this kind of slang with shakespearean language and he's a big fan of ludwig van or ludwig <laughs> van beethoven he keeps talking about ludwig the van ninth. beethoven all the time yeah i can't listen to the ninth you know it's a sin it's a sin <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> I actually thought about who would probably play this nowadays would probably be like somebody like Nicholas Holt Holt, maybe like, yeah
0: I mean he he's the guy who wanted to ride shiny in chrome uh, Yeah, Mad Max <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like
1: we Dutch Bay my brothers so, you but, know but yeah. yeah like this whole movie was like so I, I, I never could really pin down like the features of Stanley Kubrick's um directing style until I watched this movie and then in my head I was comparing that Clockwork Orange to like Full Metal Jacket and like 2001 Mm -hmm. A Space Odyssey The Shining and like um I thought The Shining was good until I saw this and then I was like just like the cinematography and just Mm -hmm. the pacing of it and just the craft of the movie like the content it's like if done like, if, if it was done by anyone else or if he was just a little off in the way, like, the crafting of this movie was, it would have been, like, this, like, tasteless romp. But yeah, just the way he was able to kind of, like, coordinate it. And after watching this, too, I started thinking of things like 2001 A Space Odyssey and, like, I don't know. I thought about really Scott after and I thought about Alien. And then I realized that Star Wars was the movie that changed everything because it took the aesthetic from those movies like Stanley Kubrick's movies and from Ridley Scott's and like put them into like a family friendly environment. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that is the reason why like, you know, franchise movies became such a big thing. Cause somebody was able to take what cinema was at the time, water it down. And now that's the standard for like deep thought. Cause it was, cause everything after that was just built off of star Wars. If that makes any sense. Like this yeah, was the the like Col- Clockwork Orange was the first time in a long time I saw a movie that felt like like this is film. <laughs> like, yeah, the, I mean the, the, the last time I felt time. like this
0: yeah. the last time I felt like this was probably when I saw Swiss Army Man. It's yeah. like it's that level of like what the fuck is going on? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh but it's yeah. like yeah, I mean I, you know before we started recording I was saying like this movie is like a a movie about dumb people made by very smart people. Yeah. And it's kind of like, um, you know, just for the people who haven't seen it, uh, like the, the, let's say the, the main story is this guy, Alex is a young teenager who uh, is a part of a gang. He ends up doing something really bad, uh, goes to prison. And then he's given the option of having some rehabilitation course or something that will shorten his sentence. And the whole thing is more like, well, you know, the, he, he's like a scientific experiment. Like, they inject him with something. yeah. Uh, and when they show him images of violent things, like, you know, he starts to throw up or whatever. And yeah. then, uh, you know, and then the whole story is about how does he deal with that after he gets out of prison and whether actually he just went back to being his old self by the end of the movie. Uh, but it's kind of like, so, I mean there I, I, ha, I had never seen this movie before. I knew about it a lot. I knew a lot about it. Uh, I mean, it's referenced in tons of movies. It's referenced in the Simpsons it's referenced in, and yeah. uh, just like, you know, that famous, the, I think the most famous thing is just like the, the hooligan part of it, you know, where he has his all dressed yeah. in white and he has like fake eyelashes and whatever, yeah. like the other iconic scene is when they have him strapped in a movie theater. and watching all these movies and he's like no no more and you know it's sort of like they've they've ripped off that scene so many times uh and i finally saw the original so i'm very happy about that
1: (laughs) yeah i realized after that that that's where undercover brother got their reference from when Mm -hmm. they uh did you watch undercover brother no i didn't know because um they tried to integrate uh eddie griffin into the uh the quote-unquote the man's world or like the white man's world or whatever so they like basically make his eyes big like that they're not not exactly like how they do in the movie but it's pretty like clear that it's a reference and they gave him a Caucasian vision and just play like in sync and just (laughs) just, that was the first thought i had because like dude you have to watch it's funny it's it's a 2000s classic but it's like okay I'll take a look I, at it. I, I'm almost <laughs> mad that had Undercover Brother because like I couldn't 100 percent take that scene seriously in A Clockwork Orange. Because like, I watched it and I'm like, whoa, this is like really like graphic. And then Undercover yeah. Brother came up and I'm like, ah oh, fuck. That that's what's wrong, like with knowing the parody ahead of time before mm-hmm. the actual thing. Yeah. But um with um a Clockwork Orange, yeah. I remember it was brought up on VH1 a lot. It was always like one of the first DVDs I would see if I walked into like Walmart or anywhere that they would sell and I looked up how much this movie grossed and like I don't know I I gotta I gotta look at it again but I think it was like more than a hundred million dollars like this was Mm. considered like a blockbuster film at the time this wasn't like some like little indie let's see what we can get away with and let's try to make a deep point about the world for a niche audience no this was like considered like Basically, the equivalent of releasing an Avengers now was releasing yeah. a Clockwork Orange in 1971. Okay, and I have
0: the numbers if you want, yeah. to,
1: if you want to see it. So,
0: the, the budget was 1.3 million. Yeah. What they grossed at the box office was 114 million. So, wow. so, it's like a hundred times more than a hundred times what the budget was, is what they, they made from the movie at the box office. So, yeah. it's a, like a movie like that today. I don't think it would have it, it would probably be either I don't know. I, I say going both ways because like these days you either have movies that are loved by critics and hated by most people, yeah, or the other way around. And it's very like rare these days to have both groups agreeing on something, yeah. except for like the Batman or you know, or or something like the Batman. Yeah. Uh but, but it's like uh I would see this. You know, probably, I, I don't know, but it, it's sort of like it's crazy that a movie like that was so successful at the time. Just just shows how things have changed. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Or maybe they, like, ju- they just all went to see it because Stanley Kubrick made it. And
1: yeah. And like when I think about how Martin Scorsese said nowadays, like movies or especially Marvel movies feel like a theme park ride and not cinema, this is like the era he grew up with. Right mm. now, the era we're in is a lot more similar to I would say like the 40s with like the movie serials and a lot of the boom pow kind of stuff. Because like yeah. in the old black and white movie days, yeah, you had film noir and you had like some like lesser-known movies, but for the most part, it was designed to be like a ride. Yeah. It's like, hey, we have moving pictures and we have sound we can put it to it. Let's like mess around and see what we can make. And yeah. then Martin Scorsese was growing up in a time or it basically like was like like a college age at a time where that started to morph into like this edgy thing that speaks to the world and mm-hmm. when you see like how many depictions of assault and how graphic it is and like basically the imagery in it like even all those artsy stuff they have on the walls with like you know the naked woman painting and yeah, all the they, penis they sculptures.
0: They, they had a lot they have a lot of like allusions to you know sexual reproductive parts and yeah. uh you know more specifically there's like a, a dick sculpture yeah. uh, <laughs> that gets used in a
1: crime uh yeah. that leads our, <laughs> I mean- our friend to get arrested yeah basically the lady gets killed there's a lady yeah. that gets killed yeah. with a uh, and it's the main character's first murder murder he kills her yeah. with like a dip sculpture that they have yeah yeah it's kind of like a seesaw as
0: well
1: (laughs) yeah but the good thing about this scene is that that lady that gets attacked is like a yoga lady with cats but she's like the first one to like fight back because Mm -hmm. like the main character and all of his his gang like it in the beginning of the movie it starts off he he starts with this routine that's like with like his victims where he says uh i've been in an accident can I use your phone and this yoga lady was the first one to be like screw you go down the street so it was like it was at least good to see somebody be that character before like she dies but then that ends up being the triggering moment that leads him to get arrested and become a part of like a behavior modification program it's it's crazy
0: yeah well it's like you know uh i mean I, i think that the scene that i've heard referenced the most is uh the scene where I think is the first time they break in or the first time we see them break in into someone's home and like they attack a couple, Uh, they, uh, uh, I think they, they, uh, like they beat up the husband and they rape uh, the wife, Yeah. and uh, like and he's singing, singing in the rain during the whole thing yeah it's like if nowadays like this movie came out in 1971 like singing in the rain came out in like 1950 something maybe early 60s like imagine someone making a movie nowadays where let's say a character assaults another while singing like you know a song from frozen or something you know it's like that would be majorly fucked up but thing is like we're sort of used to it because this movie came out like what uh I can't do math anymore, but it's like, you know, like 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, wow.
1: Yeah. It's over 50 years. 50 maybe years that's ago. why it keeps getting suggested to me. Maybe there's some anniversary thing. And but like, like, yeah. I yeah. mean,
0: imagine like, you know, the, the whole, like, uh, what was the song? Uh, you know, Elsa, when she's like, yeah, I'm, you know, the the cold doesn't bother me anyway. And then like, imagine that being like a serial killer saying that uh, <laughs> that would ruin my niece's, you know, experience with Frozen if she ever saw something like that. But
1: yeah, um, like but um,
0: I, I feel like when I saw that, I was like, well, at the time, like that was the main feel good song, right? And yeah, and uh or one of the feel good songs from movies that you had at the time. Yeah. Uh it's yeah, I mean, imagine that happening, but the guy singing like I the girl never bothered me anyway. Ha ha bam, you know, punch yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah.
1: And, and uh, like, that, that's
0: really yeah, severely messed up.
1: And like How the thing works. I noticed like now is like um, I guess in movies, and mostly maybe it's because like most movies are like a take on comic books or whatever it's like when you have them like people talking about all the crime in their neighborhood what do they always talk about in movies now like all the yeah. stealing and the violence and this and that they straight up say rape and they depict it yeah. like enough times in this movie that i'm like i like i re- i actually couldn't watch it straight i it mean not, yeah, in, my, it, in my head i was like <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, it's not like I mean, the duel, right? I mean, the duel—you're the actually way. there. I mean, did you see the duel? You know, the Ridley Scott movie that no one saw. Oh, the apparently. last duel. Oh, yeah, the last it. duel. Sorry, yeah, the last confess, duel. Confess that one. It's like confess. Yeah, but it's like the movie that Ridley Scott blamed millennials for not going to movie theaters or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> made House
1: of Gucci. Everybody saw that Dude, one. Don't, don't, don't Ridley don't, Scott, you know, don't
0: blame millennials. Like blame Gen Zers.
1: Uh, I don't want to be. Yeah, <laughs> just, just make more House of <laughs> Gucci and less, less movies.
0: Confess. <laughs> like they actually make you sit through the whole thing you know the really? the whole rape you know and and yeah. uh and, and you see that, it like, happen or- like in this movie like they it you you know that it happens but yeah. you don't like you just see the beginning and then they like, cut off to something else yeah and so like in that sense it's still kind of i guess dated in that way although i don't I don't want to say it's dated because it works in the movie and like, that's the way it was made. And as far as I can say, I think it's probably perfect for what yeah. it, for the movie it's trying to be. And, yeah. and, uh, but yeah, I don't think in the 1970s, they would, you know, anyone would pay to sit through a 10 minute rape scene. Yeah. Uh, you know. And I almost forgot
1: that uh crazy. game of Thrones had many more graphic depictions of that during the show. And now you have the characters and basically the Super Smash Brothers like Mm -hmm. kind of rip off, maybe, maybe not, game multiverses. Yeah, basically Game of Thrones is like thrown in there with everybody else. It's like a kid's Mm -hmm. game. So it's like, I'm like, okay, maybe, okay, maybe yeah you're right. It's like, I think it just shocked me because I haven't really like watched something like that in a long time. Like I've, like like, the movies I choose now are kind of like just the main movies that came out nowadays. And it's like, I think a lot of them were the more graphic or the more like speaking to something deep kind of elements have moved to TV yeah. shows. Like movies are meant to numb your mind for like two hours now, but talk work orange was clearly made to make you like watch it and go understand life. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was made to kind of like, you know, make you question everything about life or whatever you thought about government there are parts of this where the government shows up and you know the whole scientific experiment to kind of rehabilitate people into not wanting to commit crimes because it becomes disgusting to them yeah uh i mean there's all there's like a priest in here as well like you know there's like a prison priest who talks about but what about choice you know because like you're supposed to choose whether to do something good or something bad right yeah. And uh, yes, this takes away the choice. What is, uh, you know? And then the politician, the politician is like, "We only want results, father." And uh, you know, yeah. and it's like if he doesn't commit crimes, we don't care what his motivations are. You know, and they're like, <laughs> um, you know, also all of these British actors, like you have like the butler from The Shining in the movie who plays Alex's father, right? Oh, like, yeah, that's La- who it was. Was okay. it like Lawrence? Uh, it's not Lawrence Olivier, or am I confusing people? Lawrence
1: Olivier, yeah. Lawrence Olivier
0: is uh. Wait, Philip Arabia? Stone. No, 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 yeah. no, that's someone else. Now, Lawrence Arabia was the. Uh, what's Peter, his name? Peter O'Toole. Yeah, Peter O'Toole. Yeah. But yeah, no, so I'm, I'm confusing. But it's Philip Stone, the guy who, you know, killed his family in The Shining, uh, or the previous caretaker was like, I corrected them, sir they wanted to bend the house down and i connected them you know like he's the guy who plays the uh alex's uh, father like okay well th- there's a scene where alex is released from prison after his treatment and goes back home to see his parents and the parents are renting out his room to some guy yeah. and it kind of seems like they're having a like a, a thruple or something it's super weird <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> because
0: no, that like, was, i was that, like well they're my parents now and
1: <laughs> no I, I at least they're I that, they are acknowledging what they want you know? even though he came from like the quote-unquote like perfect upbringing like there were little things yeah. in the air that like might have led him to like say fuck it and just live the life that he did mm-hmm. and i don't know this movie reminded me a lot of the song in the west side story the one where they're like um where the gang is like making fun of the officer and kind of like making fun of all the the mental health like excuses of the time and whatever Mm -hmm. like they're basically saying oh no it's because my parents didn't love me no no but they're like laughing about it so it's like this kind of uh yeah crying inside it it, it felt like that but as a whole movie basically (laughs) yeah Yeah. but it's
0: super um yeah i didn't know like there's so many like what's interesting about kubrick films is that the whole movie is supposed to make you feel like one emotion you right. know it's kind of like the shining you're always supposed to be unsettled all the time yeah and uh i feel like a clockwork orange has a bit more of a palette of emotions but it's still like you know yeah. i'm weirded out by the whole you know uh experience yeah and it's kind of like uh you know, it, it's a very meta movie. Like, it was a meta yeah. movie before meta movies were a thing. And yeah. it's, it's because, like, the whole part of him just being tied up to a chair and being forced to watch, like, you know, horrible footage of, um, you know, violence and whatever with the ninth, you know, uh, Ludwig van's uh, yeah. uh, ninth symphony being played uh, underneath the, the whole thing. It's sort of like, oh, well, we're also in a movie theater. We're also watching a movie. We're also doing this and that. It's, oh, it's hey. very meta. Oh, I
1: right. didn't even think about that. Did I? Blow you're your in a mind? you're in a theater watching. I mean, a guy at the time you would have watched watch it in horrible a theater, things, right? which yeah. we were they were doing at that. Whoa!
0: Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> it's a Whoa taco! But with you're a tying taco, yourself up and keeping your eyes open because you're a slave <laughs> to the, the movie. I did. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs>
1: you're know. a slave because you spent like how much? How much was a movie at that time? What like five dollars? Uh, two cents. No, I don't know. <laughs> 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 two dollars. <laughs> A nickel and a, I don't know. Five dollars to have the
0: R rated version. No, I don't know, but uh, I mean, this whole movie is R rated. I yeah,
1: this movie is like would be at least NC-17 it's like mature now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like it um... M for mature, yeah, yeah. But, um... I mean, for people now who are more like film nerds now and like have more knowledge of like modern films. Uh, for like Stanley Kubrick I would say his style the modern equivalent to his style is more more likely um, Ari Aster the guy that did Hereditary and um, *Midsummer*. because yeah. at first I thought his style was more like if I had to find like a modern equivalent I would say like you know like Steven Spielberg like like there was there was there are a few more like I guess blockbuster directors i had in mind because stanley kubrick was a direct influence on a lot of these guys but if there's anybody young now that's coming up and starting to like make their own style that i would compare his style to it would be ari aster because it just it's just that whole feeling of like suspending you the entire way up and there is like no release at the end not in the batman versus superman way where it's just like you're waiting for something to happen it's like stanley kubrick is like you're watching everything happen and you feel like helpless that you can't do anything about it
0: Mm. well i would say another name i would put in that list is robert Eggers. you know the guy who did the lighthouse and, and the northman i haven't seen the northman yet but i hear it's probably his best film i think up to now and um i think the whole experience of the lighthouse which we we talked about in a previous episode uh is uh, felt very like you really have to be attentive in a way. Yeah. But it, it's kind of like it's about the whole vibe of the film. And it, mm. it really takes you into a, a strange, um, you know, journey. I don't know, like I was watching this YouTube video the other day of this guy who was talking about some video games. And he said, like, you know, you like being like, it's cool to be lost in a world,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but it's bet like let's say it's it's nice to be lost in a world that was created that kind of looks like ours, but yeah. it's even better when you're lost in a world that doesn't look like ours or is like a weird version of ours. Or that like
1: lo- or like looks like ours, but there's like something off.
0: Yeah, exactly, and that's like what these. It, it takes you into another another world that's very similar, but, you know, yeah. it's different. And, uh, I mean, I, I just liked the whole experience of the, of the Clockwork Orange because I think all the actors are really good. Like, they have all yeah. these amazing British actors in this movie. Yeah. And um, just, like, watching 1970s, like, London with... Uh, I mean, there, there's a scene where Alex walks around to buy a... I think he wants to buy a record. Yeah, and he's got those like weird kind of like you know Jimi Hendrix experience type you know flannel, yeah, uh, coat and whatever. And I was like, well, did they actually wear that at the time? <laughs> I'm sure some people wore that. It's kind of like pimp stuff, probably, you know.
1: Probably in like the weirdo places. Like we knew like those places. We had to go to some of those bars for um for our classes at Miami at school. <laughs> so I mean, like those places exist. It's like they wouldn't. They, they might not be wearing the exact same thing now, but. There, there, there are the places where the characters show up, and I just yeah. kind of assumed that, you know, that's just where they were. Like I assumed that most of the movie, even the bar scenes where they're drinking their druggy milk or whatever, it yeah. took place in oh, yeah, like that was something else. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't take place in like grungy areas. It felt like it was, like it was in pretty well-to-do areas, pretty like hipstery kind of areas where people just always want to figure out how to like push the line or push the edge a little bit yeah. and like i I think that's what was interesting about this movie is that like for the most part like you know the mainstream narrative is always about kind of like it's like like the modern like the latest the batman movie how the riddler was like the poor orphan and the rich orphan was batman and it's like for this one it's like a kid that was raised in like a good situation but you know just felt like going a little mad i guess or just mm-hmm. maybe had something in his head it's like yeah it's a lot like what i would imagine the joker to be like in a movie one day just be that guy that you can't explain exactly like why he thinks the way he does yeah yeah
0: what's well, like uh yeah i mean there there there's so many interesting ways that they show how he thinks yeah like you know he imagines he imagines himself he's reading the bible right And he's imagining himself as the roman soldier that's whipping jesus and yeah. uh and he says yeah that would feel great and uh <laughs> and then like i it, i mean it's also a way of like uh and when he hears like ludwig van beethoven and like sets him off before his rehabilitation it's like you know he actually attacks his friends uh i i thought it was a nice It was interesting that all the people that he hurt before he gets into jail, when he gets out, like they all want to hurt him. Some of them actually do. And Uh, he can't do anything about it. He can't do anything about it. He
1: has the urge to fight back. He gets sick. Yeah. He gets sick because of that.
0: Like, yeah. Treatment or whatever it's called. Uh, It's so like, because he, he attacked a homeless person. I think at first, or that's like the first assault he does. Uh, And then like, when he comes out, he gives money to the same homeless guy. And the guy recognizes and says, that's the one who did this and then you have all the old uh uh you know homeless uh, guys who are just like beating on him and then he gets saved yeah. by the cops but the cops end up being like his old gang members yeah and they like take him out to like almost drown him in a in a you know like in a, like one, a trough or something like yeah like a trough and yeah. like i don't know if you uh, maybe maybe i miss you know Saw the 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 scene, but like it's uncut, right? They keep him under that water for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, and I was yeah. like, Oh, they actually almost drowned Malcolm McDowell.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, you right. I'm you're sure
0: Sally Cooper was like, Keep him under, yeah, let's <laughs> go on.
1: Like Adam Driver, more,
0: <laughs> more, more. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, but,
1: but, um, yeah, yeah
0: it's the, an unsettling uh, movie, but it's not as, it's more about the the depictions of violence, because I would say that The Shining is also an unsettling movie, but it's a horror movie. So it's like scary, but this one is just like unsettling.
1: Yeah, Um, I think like, um, I I guess with this movie, like it reminded me of, I guess, Quentin Tarantino when he was talking about the Joker, mm because Quentin Tarantino, the way he described the Joker, like, like, like he did his way of saying okay the entire movie like at least for like the first part was like it was kind of like a take on taxi driver but they're putting in joker and it's like okay i get it but he gave a lot of praise to the talk show scene because that's when if you're uh, you're honest with yourself as an audience member you mm-hmm. want you were on his side and wanted him to kill yeah. robert de niro and was going to walk out of the movie mad if he did it and the brilliant thing about that scene was it made you think like the Joker, even for a split second, like you wanted something bad to happen. And it made me think of A Clockwork Orange because for the entire last half of the movie, when Malcolm McDowell is so-called cured and he gets sick every time he wants to like do something bad, Mm -hmm. like he basically every, almost all like people that knew the victims or his earlier victims Come or like, and like his friends that he like treated like shit come back to like harm him and have their revenge on Malcolm McDonald in a way. And then Malcolm McDonald can't do anything because like that urge is like that urge makes him sick. And if you're honest with yourself, you feel bad for him for that entire last half. You feel sad that he's going through that. But you just have to remind yourself what you saw for the entire first half of the movie, which was like graphic enough that I don't think a movie that would make over a hundred million dollars would have that now it's like when you start to feel bad it's like you have to remind yourself of what you watched before so mm-hmm. it's kind of like that was probably one of my favorite like subversion tactics in a movie that i've seen was they made you feel bad for a guy that the entire first half of the movie you wanted to see everybody get their revenge on him and by the time yeah. they got their revenge you you were like no don't hurt him you know
0: Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. I think, like, I think something else that we didn't mention is that he can't have sex as well. Like, when he sees, uh, like, they they do a whole scene where they want to show the results of the uh, Ludovico experiment. Yeah. And, uh, like, yeah, first he gets beat up by some guy, and then instead of fighting back, he, like, tries to, like, throw up or something. And then they bring out this uh, beautiful naked woman uh to tempt him and then he's about to like pounce or something on her and then he can't in front of everybody watching in front of everybody right and uh so like you know by the end of the movie you know because like when that happens he says like my urge was to like go and sleep like have sex with her in the snow or something while everyone watches or like that was the thing that he had like that he mentions in the line and at the end of the movie after everything that's happened to him uh, you see his uh, fantasy depicted where he's yeah. like having sex with this woman in the snow <laughs> while <everyone> is watching. <laughs> and it's just like, um, I, you know, the, the one scene that I hadn't heard, you know, people talk about is just the scene. Cause like, okay. There, there's a moment where after he gets mistreated by the cops, he wanders off to this house and it's the house where he, you know, uh, raped uh, this guy's wife who is now, uh, in a wheelchair and his wife committed suicide because of the whole shame of it and the trauma of it yeah. of what happened and so like at first like he doesn't recognize alex or malcolm and dow yeah and it's like yes let me help you dear boy and you know whatever and then he recognizes the the, the malcolm and dow and it becomes a whole thing where oh let's we're going to manipulate him because he has okay it, it, this part of the plot gets a little convoluted i feel because yeah yeah, this guy who was a previous victim has a lot of is also politically active and has a lot of friends who are on the opposite side of uh, of the government who organized this whole scientific experiment. So yeah. he wants to punish Alex while making it work for him politically. So yeah. like uh, you know they torture him by playing the Ninth Symphony because now like after all this all these experiments he can't listen to the Ninth Symphony anymore. Because it makes him want to hurl or whatever. So, like, he throws himself out of a window out of desperation. uh, Because they locked him up in a room and are playing the ninth, like on a loop or something. And they're all like, Yes, suffer, by suffer. Yeah. You know, and then, like, I, and then he does himself in as they, as, uh, you know, I I thought the only option was to do myself in droogs. And, you know, then he throws himself out of the window, but he survives. But then, like, all of the, Treatment like all the results seem to have gone, because like he's and I, I, you know that's how I interpreted it. And then you see his fantasy at the end, which he doesn't have any of those fantasies after the treatment, uh, yeah. technically, or they don't show it on screen. Uh, and the whole I, I think the scene that no one talks about that I'm finally mentioning is when the politician comes to visit him and actually feeds him steak, because yeah. like you know Malcolm McDowell has like can't move because he have all the, he has all these. Uh, um. Like, all of his arms are in plaster and whatever. And uh, and it's just, like, he knows that he has them by the balls because, like, it's a whole political, you know, scandal or whatever. Yeah. The fact that this kid, like, tried to kill himself uh, because of the treatment. So, yeah. like, the politician is like, well, let's have it. You know, you know what I mean? You know, like, you should tell yeah. people that we did everything for you and we paid for all your hospital bills. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, keep on feeding me steak, bro. You know? Yeah. And uh, it's just, like... I mean, the, this movie is a whole critique about politicians as well. Like, it, it's a critique about so many things, and it's also, like, and also, like we huh, now that I'm interpreting it, like we're also like strapped to a chair watching violence on TV, but we're actually enjoying it instead of, uh, you know, Malcolm yeah. and was like, no, you yeah, know. Exactly. And
1: <laughs> well, now it's kind of like if yeah, like you're you you grow up like. I guess, scrolling through and seeing pictures. And, and it's like, it's funny, cause like at the time, like to see certain images, you know, you only, uh, you know, your only options were like newspaper and magazines or the movies. You didn't really have like much outside of it. And like the most graphic thing you could find would probably be some like pulp paperback book somewhere. But now mm. it's kind of like, it's like so common that like, I wonder if this movie would have the same effect now but it's like at the same time it i I wondered if at the time there were people that watched this movie and got the wrong idea because at the end of the day if you have a movie about a bunch of guys going out and doing whatever the fuck they want like Mm -hmm. that's gonna make people want to do that not because of the movie but because that's human nature that's what you know tribes were that's what you know every western was about gather your posse and go whatever that's what pirates of the caribbean was about dude Mm -hmm. like pirates of the caribbean like the first scene you see pirates is like just them fucking up a town just for the hell of it so it's kind of like yeah sometimes i wonder if this movie was kind of like if like after the initial shock of oh my god this speaks to like my my angsty self if like after that it just became so well known that that just became like the aesthetic of people that had that in them. You know what I mean? I don't know.
0: Yeah. I do not know. It's weird because it's a movie that depicts a lot of violence in, but in critique of it. And it's sort of like, I could see a lot of people not getting the point of being like, this movie is violent and we shouldn't be showing this to our kids, you know, or whatever. I mean, you shouldn't show this to a kid. I mean, anyone who's like under 14 probably shouldn't watch this but um uh, or whatever your the age is cool what is it 16 but it's like you're four, whatever it is but let's I mean, unless
1: you're one of those like kind of like deep thinking weird eight-year-olds that's like i understand everything like that kid in the, the emma stone um <laughs> snl skit where he just wants to look down his fisher price well
0: everything <laughs>
1: <laughs> wait, wait did you see that snl skit where no, it was like no. fisher price wells for like deep like deep thinking little boys that want to like think about the nuances of life so it's literally like a plastic wall in the backyard so that, like the boy can just like stare down it. <laughs> yeah this movie is made for that kid i
0: didn't see that yeah okay yeah for sure uh but yeah. but it's like uh <laughs> but yeah so i mean i can see people but but it's weird because it does depict violence but it's also like hey you know it's the critique of us actually enjoying the violence as well you know it's kind of like yeah. uh it's it's a weird you know i get why it has such a cult following and how uh you know it's like it's okay so apparently 2020 the film is selected for preservation uh in the united states national film registry in the library of congress as being culturally historically and aesthetically significant so it's like you know this movie is just yeah i mean you can't really say that about many movies but it is a work of art you know it really is and yeah. it's like it's thought provoking it's shocking it's uh it makes yeah. you feel disgusted by the main character but also you want to root for him by the end of the movie yeah. uh, or like th- let's say halfway through the movie you root for him or you feel sorry for him and then by yeah. the end you're like oh shit i rooted for this guy and he's bad again you know uh, it's um yeah. it, it's pretty amazing and it didn't and and it wasn't based uh, it was only based on a book but i was gonna say it's not based on a comic book but uh <laughs> <laughs> it's our book though yeah. not that not that being based on a comic book is bad but i feel like that's kind of like the 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 you know discussion nowadays like oh, it's either comic books or something else you yeah. know, like uh i don't think that's the real choice i mean you know uh back in the day when i was doing some filmmaking um you know in europe there are a lot of independent films that are thought-provoking and shocking and have maybe are not as aesthetically perfected or as uh, a clockwork orange it's more like down to earth type stories right uh but you have stuff like that in in independent film i'm not sure about u.s independent film because i'm not really that well versed in that yeah uh, area but uh um you know you can find some very shocking icelandic movies about you know teenage violence and and rape and and stuff like that and and uh you know, that, that also shed a light on society and, and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know.
1: I mean, like, especially in Europe, I don't know how many European countries have this, but there are several countries, even outside of Europe in general, that have, like, a ministry or a board dedicated to promoting, you know, films or, like, subsidizing or paying filmmakers yeah. to make films that either celebrate their country Or that, I guess, celebrate the nuanced, like artsy thinking that, you know, they're able to give to the world because good art, especially at its kind of like most raw is like I had a teacher that said it the way it is, it's like art, good art shows how much a culture had free time on its hands. So when you have something that look that's very like provoking, yet makes a good point and slow burn, it basically shows like what the country has. But like America's system, even though we do have indie films that are very thought provoking and stuff, it it is based around the like American dream of you know doing what it takes for recognition or for. You know, to get your movie funded, it's not—it's not so much about like having, like, the board of a country approve your yeah. film. It's more of like, how can I make something that'll appease the investors? So yeah. that—that's probably why. And I'm pretty sure there's like, you know, there there's people in Europe that love the American way of doing things a lot more, and might think that their way is, you know one way or another maybe they think it's pretentious i don't know some people think that way but like america has less of a um incentive i would say for Mm -hmm. like gritty thought provocation and nowadays it's tricky because like like a five second social media post can like at least for me it'll make me think think about something all day like it doesn't take that long to be like thought-provoking but it was just nice to watch this film and just remember you know how it felt to watch a point be pulled out through almost three hours rather than it shoved into your face for like a moment like it feels a lot healthier when you see it even as graphic as this movie was how how like it feels good to see a point stretched out for almost three hours it's like
0: some movies are so overwhelming these days that I, I kind of get a headache after a while. And yeah. this was, even with all the violence and all that stuff, I, I didn't, like, it It took its time, right? right. Uh, but just, like, to answer what you said about uh, European filmmaking, is, just, like, um, you know, two things. One thing is, I think the fact many, if not all European countries, have a film commission. Yeah. And I think the main reason behind that or one of the reasons, but I, I could be wrong, is a response to American, you know, dominance in film. Mm-hmm. Uh, or historically, I, I know that now, like Bollywood is is huge. Uh, yeah. The Chinese film market is is huge. Um, you know, now you even have like a Nigerian film market that is becoming yeah. huge. Uh, But like Europeans, let's say for the last fifty years, have had to compete with American movies. Right. If not more. And uh, the only way that they were going to compete is uh, or maybe to have films that maybe America doesn't make is to right. actually have it funded by a government uh, funded uh, you know, commission right. you know, or like a taxpayer funded thing. Like, um, I, I think that's why you have all these uh, film commissions. I mean, even like, you know, New Zealand has a film commission. Taiwan has a film commission. It's right. always like I, I think people are less likely where I grew up. just give you money for a film because they don't think it really serves any purpose yeah um like right now in switzerland they're they're having a a popular vote about whether to tax netflix and streaming platforms Mm -hmm. and use that money to fund local film and uh because apparently netflix is not taxed in switzerland for you know the movies that they show and uh so uh i mean for you people who don't know what the swiss voting system is like so i mean in america you have representative democracy so like you vote people in and they vote for laws right so like in switzerland you have that but you also have like a direct democracy right uh, route so it's like you elect representatives but once every four months you also get to vote on the big laws that happen in the country yeah. so it's like um you know the part the congress will be like hey we think the people should vote on this so you know and then the people will vote on that so like now the big thing or the next round of votes is about whether they should yeah tax platforms like netflix or disney plus or whatever uh because uh most people nowadays are watching their content from netflix or watching their movies from netflix or et etc and um uh like the country where you show those films or many countries don't see a penny of that yeah. money technically so they want to tax that and use it to fund swiss film because the swiss film industry is like not very great uh, yeah. but uh i mean i think it's getting better but you know and this is a country that isn't like very socialistic like by far <laughs> yeah it's more of a like hey you know they're making money off of us where we want to cut you know
1: yeah it's like neutral until, hey, you have money, no, kidding.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of like, uh I mean, don't get me started, but there's a lot of stuff uh, internationally that is mostly like, hey, you know, we don't want you to do this because we want all the money for ourselves, you know, so it's kind of like, it, it's usually something like that. I'm sorry, I'm very cynical, but
1: uh, <laughs> I mean, you should be a little bit. Like I can't trust somebody who's not at least a little bit cynical about where they're from yeah. like i mean yeah.
0: i'm i'm uh, outwardly i seem very trusting, but inwardly i'm very cynical and and suspicious of people
1: that's called <laughs> healthy that's
0: called hey. good. <laughs> but uh,
1: <laughs> but yeah like um I guess with like film it's like you you have so many countries doing their takes on American tropes, I would say like china mm-hmm. like most of their movies, which are the top grossing movies in the world are like takes on American blockbusters and how we do things. And they did it to a point where now they have their own style. And you can say that for like Nigeria, how they have like a lot of kind of like, they have comedies, they have action movies. And then like with, um, India, there's a lot of like the Bollywood movies now and their twist on it is like, no matter what the movie is about, you know, there's dance scenes and stuff. And, they've developed their style to a point where it's kind of like, you know, like, like I remember thinking that like something like when I, when I was younger thinking something like step up was like the premier musical franchise. And mm. basically when I met people from India for the first time, it was like, no, you have no idea. And then I watched those movies. So, and I wa- I, I did watch another video where somebody else mentioned that like the American identity in film is being lost because because there's just so much exchange of ideas and at the end of the day Mm -hmm. you kind of do have to appropriate if you want to make organic art so it's like how like what is going to be like the hollywood identity after a while is it going to be stuff like a clockwork orange are we going to have more marvel movies like what's something that we can identify as like an american style and do we even care that much anymore (laughs)
0: i mean yeah and will the american style be hollywood or something else could be the yeah. idaho style i don't know yeah i mean one thing we do <laughs> some crazy guys can open studios in boise idaho and be like yeah this is a new hollywood guys
1: yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised texas is getting big so texas, i'm like yeah
0: i don't know I, why mean, I said idaho just randomly but
1: no it's, no it's really <laughs> happening in like all these random places like i wouldn't be surprised if idaho had the biggest soundstage on earth i'd be like oh of course it's here like at yeah. this point but yeah, it's... Um, what's well, like yeah, randomly
0: getting, one of the biggest studios in Europe is like in Romania. And, and a lot of yeah. people go there because it's so cheap to film there. One guy yeah. had a crazy idea of being, hey, I'm going to film... I'm going to have sets for, you know, like period pieces or, you know, uh, Western movies or whatever. And it'll all be in Romania. And, and uh, because it's cheap here and people will pay us.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and the thing yeah, I like yeah. about... <laughs> The thing I like about, like, how what's happening with film now is that, um, like, I noticed this from just, like, going to New York, is after a while, like, and this isn't an insult to anywhere, but after a while, like, the aesthetic of where you are kind of, like, wears off and becomes, like, your normal. It's not, like, it's what you're doing is, like, exciting forever. And basically, I, like, glamorized places like you know san francisco and new york because of movies and i thought whatever we had in hawaii wasn't wasn't as good because for some reason it didn't give me that feeling and moving away was the first time that i got the feeling that i used to watch watching new york stuff i now got it watching hawaii stuff and Mm -hmm. it's like i never understood what was special until i left so now that people are filming things in different places you know there's less of a like fetishizing of a location and more of a like incentive to tell a story or incentive to make where you're from special you know what I mean because like in the next generation like this is the this generation of kids is the first one that I ever heard saying I want to go to South Korea like nobody said that before (laughs) like the 2010s nobody was like I said please actively want to go and now it's like you know everyone wants to visit there so it's like
0: yeah they also yeah. parasite and uh and also know, parasite let's go there they, they also parasite or they've been you know psy fans for a while
1: oh god is psy- old psy-
0: man it's it's like almost 10 years
1: yeah and he has a new song now with, i mean not I mean, him I, but I like the know, song right? <laughs> oh no no he just came out with a new song like when I I forgot what the song was, but he was like in a west he was like in a western bar or something. Yeah. But right now, yeah, it's BTS, Blackpink. There's one more. It's really big. CL, uh, she's pretty cool. Yeah, I yeah. I know the stuff now. That's all people talk about. <laughs> Everybody likes their K-pop now. So. I
0: I lost track. Thing is, I, I used to be I used to really be into K-pop in the early 2010s, and then I kind of like
1: let it you know, go. Yeah. Uh, I had, Ramstein. Suggest Einstein. to me on YouTube. Yeah, I feel like your cool. tastes are rubbing off on me now. Really? I get a lot of <laughs> and, and Tenacious D getting suggested to me. stein was like
0: the 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 forbidden thing for me as a teenager because all my friends liked it, but my family didn't like it. And I was like, I'm gonna listen to this because I'm a rebel and my friends. Oh. And it's yeah. it's all in German, which sounds very like when you hear it, it's just like when you actually understand the lyrics, some of the lyrics, it's like really smartly done. Yeah. And uh, I know that uh, I remember a friend of mine went to to a concert of theirs and they actually had like the most elaborate pyrotechnics ever because uh, they had a stunt where some guy gets into a tub on stage Yeah. and another guy climbs a, lo- a ladder and pours something on top of him like yeah. a milk jug or something. But the thing that he's pouring over catches fire before it actually touches the guy in the tub. So it's like some really weird stuff. I, I wish I'd seen it. I hope I'm not like, you know, I'm not uh, describing I'm not doing it justice, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, because I haven't seen it, so I don't know, but, you know, but like uh, the the normal thing to happen in a Rammstein concert, if you have like two stories, like, you know, in terms of like where the fans are, is to have people throw vodka bottles down uh, from like the, <laughs> Yeah. The overlooking part down, so like that's the kind of thing you should expect from a concert, but they're a bit older now, so maybe they've toned like the fans have kind of toned down a bit, but I don't uh, know. I, like, you know, I don't a, think so. But
1: there has to be a bunch of pent up energy, and like nobody does it like older rockers, I don't know. Like, yeah. they're, they're, they're like rock is the only genre that like the musicians get like better with age, yeah. like. You really want to see them get older and like keep that energy and see the crowd do that. And like they're the only ones that like, especially if you're from a certain era, like Rammstein is more modern, but I'm thinking more. Yeah. I'm also thinking about like even like the 70s and 80s and stuff, how like a lot of those bands, like how ACDC is basically selling out South America still <laughs> at their age. And it's like Dude, young people It's going amazing. To the yeah. Like
0: they all of their DVDs now are from Buenos Aires. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah. Oh I God. think their biggest. Like, I got one of their. Like, a friend of mine bought me, a the Blu-ray of their Buenos Aires concert, and it's yeah. just like, and it's always like, whenever you go on YouTube, it's like, yeah, Buenos Aires or, like, uh, Santiago yeah. or or they're in Brazil or something, and yeah. they're like, shit, you know, like they're huge. But the thing is, rock is is pretty huge in South America, and it's yeah. and I feel like. You know in the northern hemisphere uh, i think hip-hop has taken over and yeah. uh but hip-hop's uh, super
1: big in like asia right now like especially like the more eastern yeah the eastern asian countries and stuff because there's an obvious like it's obvious that it like um influenced a lot of like j-pop and k-pop and even like the chinese pop but like yeah, yeah a lot of stuff that died even on mtv in america is like like how yo yo mtv raps is big in like china right now so it's like yeah. everywhere is like nothing really dies; it just kind of moves. I yeah. guess Dude, you just gotta figure um, out the place to move to. You
0: you have to watch Baby Metal. It's like yeah. a Japanese. They're they're technically called a kawaii metal band. <laughs> so it's like I mean it's it's from like eight years ago, but like whenever uh, like I mean often you know when you're working in advertising whatever, thinking creatively like your thoughts get muddled. Yeah. and uh i need something to take me out of it and just like what gives me a shock to my system is just listening to baby metal their their song is like give me chocolate and like i don't do it consistently but it's like once or twice i've done it once or twice in the past six months where it's like i can't think anymore so i'll just like get a shock to my brain and it's baby metal and it's just like the song is about them wanting to eat chocolate but it's done in a heavy metal way and oh, it's man. so weird <laughs> Uh, it's weirdly satisfying (laughs) i have like imagine uh, like anime song with i mean some anime songs are like heavy metal but you know this was sort of like but this is about chocolate which is weird it's like the right cocktail of hardcore and weird and funny at the same time i know they're not supposed uh, (laughs) to be funny but you know i think it's funny as hell but because it's such a dichotomy to me like you know yeah. ka- kawaii singers and hard rock metal it's like yeah. rammstein with uh sailor moon uh-
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what's weird that's kind of becoming the same audience and i don't know if like insane clown posse like inspired this because they had this weird thing where they had like hardcore hip-hop but it was made yeah. by kind of like these like husky white dudes with clown makeup so it was just playing around with the aesthetic and things that don't match and then yeah now I think now a lot of, like, anime and a lot of, like, Japanese culture is, like, merging with, like, the heavy metal audience. Like, how yeah. My Little Pony's older audience started to merge with, like, you know, the kind of guys you would imagine being in, like, Fight Club. <laughs> Wait, well, I'm looking at baby metal now. They they look like, um, they remind me of, what is it, Augur Tsuko, the... The new Sanrio character that sees uh, heavy metal, but like her whole day, she's like the the little kawaii office. It might person. have been
0: inspired by Baby Metal, maybe that character. Probably, yeah. Or the other way around, I don't know. But yeah. Uh, also, other news. I finished Elden Ring this this week. Oh, how, how, how many hours it, it took me? Five. More. Seven. Way more. Way 15. way way
1: more. Fifteen hours. Think like a lot. Holy fuck man. <laughs> <laughs> so they really built out like a world it like, they thing built is the i didn't
0: do it. the whole there are still things that i did not discover in the game and i spent yeah. 112 hours on it
1: you, you know what i imagine george rr martin like like co-creating um elden ring it, yeah. it probably looked a lot like have you seen that family guy episode where brian like tries adhd medicine and then he makes like a whole franchise like a whole world Oh yeah, like, right. Yeah, yeah. Space Shire 7. <laughs> 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 took oh, me all night, 15 hours to make and like yeah, Elden Ring. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm so. <laughs> I'm hooked on uh, from software's games now. I'm gonna probably start playing Dark Souls and Sekiro and whatever. Yeah, but yeah, I, I just need to say it because it was like the big achievement of my week uh, <laughs> was spending Woo. finishing my two months of playing Elden Ring. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I, gotta play, I gotta play some amount of this, I mean, uh, like this
0: is... I mean i did some side quests so maybe that also added to the you know the extra time but like uh, i don't know it's like the whole the whole world seems like a side quest a little bit because uh, you know sometimes side quests are more interesting than the main story right. and the the main story is pretty short if you just do that uh but uh thing is the game is hard, so you need to do those side quests to level up. And uh yeah, crazy. Crazy. <laughs> I finished at the same time as one of my favorite like uh streamers, so I was like, I was pretty happy about that. Uh so I was like, because like I always look look at his videos for tips sometimes, like, how did he beat this guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but I it's like Okay, the best thing about Elden Ring because it, it's uh, dude, we're supposed to, we were supposed to finish this episode like ten minutes. That's ago, right. But you uh, me. but like, uh, is that like I played a lot of open world games in the past couple of years, um, and uh, you know, like The Witcher three, The Witcher two, um, you know, Red Dead Redemption stuff like that, like all, most of the Assassin's Creed games that were yeah. open world uh and the thing i realized really pissed me off about all those other games is just endless dialogue because like all those other games you're like press this and then like if you choose a different decision like it'll change the story which is the part that's really cool about those games but some of them overdo it like uh i i really enjoyed it in the witcher but like when i had to do it for other games i was like dude just get me to the battle stuff like elden ring the dialogue is like very short You don't really choose the only differences it can make is whether you uh, the choices are in the gameplay rather than in the dialogue. So you know, so you're never really bored. Most of the time you're just slashing things and riding your horse and et cetera, et cetera. But you're not lost in a 20-minute conversation whether you want to buy beans. Yeah, you know, or it's like, would you like to buy my beans? These are cursed and these are not cursed, but I will not tell you which ones. You can ask me 10 (laughs) questions to which to figure out which one is the right beans, you know, and you're like, okay.
1: (laughs) Well, <laughs> Would you consider this game open world and like is this game um do you feel like this is one of the first games that really like gets it when it comes to like storytelling for a video game like the fact that you can't do it like a movie and have like long ass pieces of dialogue you can't yeah. also make it so popcorny that everything is just like a click away and then something interesting happens do you feel like this is probably think- one of the first ones that's like they're they're getting it, how to like make an epic. They re
0: Yeah, they're getting it. Thing is, like they they made an open world Dark Souls game. Yeah. And you know, with that, everything that ever like that, I guess the main comparator would be like Ubisoft because they've done all these open world games and right. like Assassin's Creed and and um uh what was the other one? Like um, uh, you know, watchdogs, stuff like that. Uh, like uh, Someone on Twitter said something really that, or was it Reddit? They they like they wrote something about like, hey, you know, this is the first open world game where I'm not riding my horse next to an NPC while they tell me their life story. <laughs> and um, I feel like they cracked it in a way because like most of the story is in the, I mean, they they I don't know, it's weird. It feels like they cracked it in a way. Yeah, and it's c- completely counterintuitive to everything. what everybody else is doing where it's like everyone is like kind of spoon feeding you the story and when like they tell you hey you know you have to find uh elmer who lives in the bayou and you're like okay and then they put it on your map so you know where it is But like in elden ring they'll you'll talk to someone of the if you follow the road of the elden blah and you will find a wolf who hides in the ruins. If you turn left, it might be over there. If you take a look, and uh, you know, like uh, if you're not paying attention, you're like, "Okay, I'll just walk there," and then you might just stumble upon it, or uh, stumble upon whatever you were looking for in the first place. Yeah, and um, it's way more. The onus is on you, the player, to discover the world rather than the game helping you to discover it. Right. And which is what makes it harder and probably more enjoyable. So yeah. you know, right. those are my two cents. That took like twenty minutes to explain, but still. <laughs> this is I mean, yes. I,
1: I feel like Elden Ring needed to be talked about, but I'm like, I can't talk about it. So, yeah. No, but you. it's
0: uh, it, it's just like because you can customize your your avatar so much, right? like. He can be a sorcerer, he could be this, he could be that. It's like a DND and d game, but like,
2: yeah.
0: you know, with berserk uh, aesthetics and some Witcher 3 in there and throwing Game of Thrones in there as well. Like, you know, it's kind of like, it, it's, a we- it's a game where, you know, like the villains are never too big. Like, you know, you have a dragon and then you'll see another type of dragon that's like an overlord and it's way bigger and has two heads but like there was a third head that was severed at some point so you see the stump or something. It's like it's so detailed it's crazy. But it, it's, uh, I would say, you know, I, I want to, com- to compare it to Red Dead Redemption too because that is detailed in another way because it's hyper realistic to, let's say what a cowboy would do, uh, or, or an outlaw would do in the late 1800s. Yeah, you're going to go fish, you can fish. And then your your horse, like, uh, you know, when it gets cold, their their testicles go up, you know. Uh, that's an actual detail in the game that, that a lot of people seem to focus on, but as well as, as me. But uh, but it's like, the Elden Elden Ring doesn't get lost in those kind of like, and that hyper realism is just like, hey, you know, you're, you're, um, you're a knight or a sorcerer or whatever, and you want to become Elden Lord. And you have to fight all these guys and collect runes that are magical things to create a new Elden Ring or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I, I took it and you have like six different endings, I think, mm-hmm. or five. Yeah. I did one that is deemed like the most positive one, but it's like uh, where you you have, uh, they call it the waifu ending uh, because oh. you you end up with a, with a sorceress and you're her consort or something. And, uh, but other times you're just like the Elden Lord and et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, I, it's addictive how, how well it's done. It's so freaking addictive because I finished the game and I was like, I want to do it again. And, <laughs> and I just spent 112 hours doing it. So this is like, oh, you know, I keep getting, shit. yeah, yeah. 10, I keep, I keep getting ads for vaping. Right. I feel like they should show me ads about like, is Elden ring ruining your life? And I'd be like, no, it's making my life. Awesome uh but, <laughs> but are you spending more time on Elden Ring than like sleeping uh you know the thing the is i intent. have yeah sleep but it's like uh i mean uh i was looking for a job for most of the time i was playing Elden Ring so that's why i had so much time to play it but it's like uh i mean i played it took me 3 months to finish the witcher 3 and when i looked at the actual time that i spent on it i think i spent maybe 50 hours on mm-hmm. it yeah but Elden Ring felt like it, you know, it like it just went like a flash. But I spent like more than tw- twice as much as time, you know, <laughs> yeah. for The Witcher Three. So that, that's how crazy it is. Yeah, it's pretty good, pretty good. Anyway, thank you for listening to my, uh, you know, video game babbles uh, babbling, and madrugs. Wow. Maybe I should maybe we should call them our droogs, our followers. Right, our I 16 no, I droogs in
1: San Jose. Oh yeah, right, yeah. our friends. Yeah.
0: But uh but it's like um yeah, so uh shall we end it here or do you wanna say something? I don't know.
1: I think I think we're good. Cool. Good. So uh
0: <laughs> thank you for listening uh you, you can find us on uh, many podcasting platforms such as apple podcasts uh, which is our most popular platform at the moment uh, and then uh spotify apple uh google podcasts audible iHeartRadio, radio uh, castbox uh radio public and a bunch of other places uh you can find us on instagram and facebook at what we stream that's at what we stream and yes if you want to look for us on those podcasting platforms just type what we stream but if you're listening to this already you already found us so uh you know thank you for that and uh yeah uh, that's it for me
1: peace peace